0: Welcome to Speaking Highly with John Huck. I am your host, John Huck. With me, as always, is Indy Fawcett. How are you, Indy?
1: Doing well. Doing well, John. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Guys, me and Indy, we like the show. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll go press the like button. We'll go leave a comment at how good it is. Now, if you feel the same way (laughs) (laughs) by selling that, I also like my show. If If you like the show, you like what you hear, you like what you see, I encourage you to like on... All the platforms rate it, review it. I love it. how
1: your energy just, just leave shows. a comment. Like
0: I start to lose. I'm like
1: <laughs> the You were promoted, almost just... about like smash the like and then you're Yeah, you're uh, like uh... or just lay
0: down, take a nap and don't do anything. <laughs> what the fuck do I know?
1: Um, no, but rate review, but, like, subscribe, do all the things. The speakinghighly.com, you'll get everything there. Oh, look at that. See, this is why You need talented producers. Yeah.
0: This is why I need indie. Well that and because if you weren't here, it would just be me talking into the ether with nothing around me, <laughs> like a lunatic. Like I would not have do any of this stuff. Um, you would
1: book time to talk for an I hour. I would. I would sit yourself? in
0: this exact space by myself and talk about things I like. Yep. And then go on. You'd buy a so lighting like, kit. Yeah. <laughs> buy, buy a lighting kit because I want to look good. Um, yeah. Today we are we are talking to Nick Nicora. Nick was brought to my attention by a, a mutual friend of ours, a comic I know named Dave Broussard, who is a baseball nut and a Bay Area guy, right? A little bit older than me. And he's, you know, lived. He's, he's, he's been some places. He's seen some people. He's an exciting dude. I'm going to just poke that that way. Uh, and um, he, I think he, I think I was I mentioned something online about Day Day on the Green and having Dean Del Rey on and talking about Oakland in general and he immediately texts me. He's like, "Oh, dude, you want to talk about Oakland and Day on the Green?" And I I know a guy who used to work for Bill Graham and I was like, "Well, Damn. that's interesting." Bill Graham, if somebody if anybody out there does not know, it was the number one concert promoter. Um,
1: also, Put working honor. working with what? Bill Graham is an understatement.
0: Yes, well, that first of all, yes, dude, it, <laughs> like, it, that's a very it's an true, incredible very story. True. Yeah, what yeah. Nick has done is not just work for you know, well, yeah. my, it just didn't just work for Bill Graham. No. Yeah. There's so much more there, but this is from a time period that is so influential in my love of music, like. Day on the green. It was great talking to Dean because I wasn't at those shows. I didn't live in California. I couldn't get there. I was too young. Um, Nick was working those shows, like picking up garbage under the stages, helping put the fucking shit up. Like he's his story is great, and it, I won't even really go too much more into it, except that he's, you know, he's a, in. Essentially, he's like a smart, free thinking food and beverage guy I but that <laughs> seems like that seems like such a a, a shell they go together to put very in. well like, yeah yeah but it's like <laughs> he, he's just he and he's also not a dude to you know get caught up in the bullshit like he could have taken a job that paid in cocaine he could have taken a job that you know it could he could have looked at the whole thing as just a party and, and he didn't
1: He 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 brought integrity to to a profession that really didn't have any
0: Yes, yeah. that's a very good way to put it. That's hey. exactly what he did. Hey. that's it. That's it, man. <laughs> um, but I'll, Nick, of course, I, I do want to mention
1: yeah. before we, before we move forward. Uh, I did note um, that it's great to see the the dynamic on the show shift because you became the younger person. In this, yes, in this, yeah, uh, I became the indie. Yeah, became you became indie. the indie, and and I was just loving it the entire time because and
0: he was yeah. he was oh, he was John telling yeah. telling it like yeah, it is. It was great, great dynamic. Spreading shift. his wisdom. Of course, but no. This is this was my first discussion with Nick, other than a few texts. I, I honestly asked him to be on the show, and he agreed. Um, but he is a just a fascinating guy, and he's one of those guys that you, you know, I knew five minutes into the conversation that whether he wanted to or not, like I would sit down with that guy and have a beer yeah. and shoot the shit for hours. You know, I I could listen to dudes like him tell stories forever. I mean, he just the Led Zeppelin story alone is is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 it's worth. It's worth checking out the podcast. Um, and if you like The Grateful Dead, if you like Day on the Green, if you like anything that you saw, in, in a, that it was a good concert in the '70s or '80s in the Alameda County, Oakland, San Francisco area, yeah. this guy was part of it. If you're so, a lover
1: of rock and roll and and you know concerts in general, I mean, it's it's just a great, yeah. great because uh, like with with Dean Del, with the Dean Del Rey episode, you got a different perspective. One yeah, a kid one who next. was in the audience. Right, exactly. This dude
0: this dude was backstage giving food to the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I will say one thing that he said that really warmed my heart, Van Halen was fun. They were good guys. <laughs> they were Great. fun dudes. They were nice. That made me feel good, dude. I have been doing a lot of Van Halen listening lately, and uh, I get sad because Eddie Van Halen's not around anymore, but I'm also very happy that... We're on a planet literally floating through space magnets rocks asteroids go. the Sun could burn out we have the fact that we're here the Stardust it all lined up and we lived at a time when we could hear Van Halen it it sounds silly to somebody who doesn't know or doesn't care but man there's something there like we live in a time we could see Van Halen we could listen to the music. I don't know it's it's
1: I feel the it was same great way about to hear Scott him say music. that
0: yeah the blue meanies
1: (laughs) the mustard plug real big fish yeah i feel the same way
0: (laughs) we lived in a time when cherry pop and daddies could have an album i mean come on guys (laughs) i mean look i'm not saying there's not shitty music out there (laughs) it should all be consumed but there is stuff like and, and everyone likes what they like like if you like cherry pop and daddies hey go crazy um, I just
1: like to, to shoot down your, your, very, uh, your very meaningful. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're like, I also like garbage.
0: I like <laughs> trash, shit. I'm like, okay. Not that those bands are that. I, I would know. never. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if you're making music, go for it. Get crazy. I don't care. Um, but yeah, guys, this is uh, Nick Nikora. And um, I, this is an episode about Bill Graham, but it really becomes, I mean, it's Nick's life, you know. So it's check fun. it out, enjoy it. Uh, he's a solid dude. Enjoy, Nick Nicora. Uh, all right, everybody. Here I am with Nick Nicora, a, a gentleman who just, I, I don't know personally, this is our first meeting, and from what I gleaned off the internet, you are responsible for making the world's biggest margarita. Yeah. Well, is that correct?
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, yeah, the, uh, the world's largest, uh, well, actually, it's the Guinness Book of World Records uh, world's largest cocktail.
0: Cocktail. Okay. It, okay. Happened,
2: it happened to be we made a margarita. Um, I have a partner Ricardo Hussan from canta- canta- Hussan's Cantina and Ensenada. Okay. And um, you know we actually have a a few of those at when we do the fairs the Hispanic garden kind of entertainment venues. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, tried to figure out what would be good to do. And so we made the Calorita, uh, kind of California margarita. How big was it? It was 10,500 gallons.
0: Good. God.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny too. Cause, uh, our, my partner from our food company, Ovations at the time, Todd Wickner, he goes, well, Nick, you know, w- why is it 10,500 gallons and i said well you know jimmy buffett had an 8,500 gallon margarita when he opened up margaritaville in las vegas and i said well you know let's, we're not going to just like make 8,562
0: right let's we're make- going to we're going to we're going <laughs> to launch it, it so big you know,
2: 10,500 i think in the buckets 10,499 but you know it's <laughs> just it, it it's insane it was a uh, huge uh, That. I mean, well, you know, basically we put it, we made a, uh, couldn't figure out, you know, how are you going to make that much margarita? And then you want to sell it for a number of times. We did it at the California State Fair and we sell margaritas all the time um, and frozen margaritas. So we said, uh, well, you know, I got to figure out a way to keep 10,500 gallons of margarita alive for three weeks. (sighs)
0: Yeah, not not going bad. Make it so people well, can consume it. Yeah,
2: right. I mean, you can <laughs> see, you go, okay. Well, well, you know, we put it in a big vat, like the Jimmy Buffett down there in Margaritaville. They had it in a big vat, big plastic vat, and they wrapped it, and that was cool. You know, but Sacramento at 110 degree heat during the day, the margarita would be you know crap in about 15 minutes. Oh yeah. So I, would, I couldn't figure out how to do it, and I know Cuervo uh, Tequila wanted to you know partner with us, and. Uh, one thing led to another i'm sitting on a conference call i'm not much for those especially when there's about 40 people on there Duh, to
0: the worst
2: about you know how good they are
0: and, yeah sounds like you work in television production all right,
2: yeah, right? I know. <laughs> so we uh I, I for whatever reason i was just kind of dabbling around on the you know daydreaming on the computer while listening to the to the um, call and I, I thought about a chardonnay vat and so then i Typed this little thing, typed it in there and said, Hey, you know, it's uh, West Tech um, uh, um, containers up in Healdsburg, California. And I saw, you, know, I, so I, you know, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I got off the call, I called them I said, Hey, you know, what do you think about building me or letting me borrow a, you know, 10,000 gallon Chardonnay vat, you know, they, you know, uh, where you make Chardonnay in? Because they keep it cool because of. The- yeah like call around it and stuff anyway so long story short they ended up it was funny when i when i when i answered the, when i called up i i told the person that answered the phone i was i wasn't being i wasn't trying to be rude but you know i said you know maybe it might be better for me to talk to somebody you know, in charge I, that's gonna and the and the, and the person on it she goes she goes well no you're gonna have to get through me first <laughs> And I said, well, I I mean, I know, but I just don't want to go through this whole pitch of what... I don't
0: want to tell everybody. I don't want to tell nine different people my idea. I just need to talk to the guy that can make it happen.
2: Your line was wiped, so you might want to give it to me. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up doing it. Yeah, it was a great thing.
0: So you're, by trade, kind of a food and beverage guy.
2: Yeah, well, I started as a... Well, I've always cooked all my life. You know, I, I... lucky enough to grow up in an italian family i don't know if that's not how lucky that is but i consider it very very blessed and lucky uh with my nonas and my and my, and my nunus and uh, all the different uh, recipes that uh,
0: passed down that generations passed down. You know, yeah
2: funny my wife and i went and we were kind of weird my wife and i've been together 50 years um, congratulations yeah we got we, we met in high school um and, and she was at an all-girls school i was all boys school you know and so we kind of kind of an interesting way of meeting but um we decided that every 10 year 20 30 40 years you know we would get remarried right at least i kind of decided that so i would take her on a trip and then we get remarried so one year we went and uh, italy and went to my uh, my uh, my dad's uh, mom's town savannah doraba in italy
0: oh Okay,
2: and uh, we went in there, and we were, we had to wait a day because nobody could speak Italian, and I was okay, but I'm not good enough. And the one person that could speak Italian was, uh, you know, off. And when they finally came back, and we got together, and all about. So anyway, we ended up having to spend a couple of nights there, and it was just funny. With the first dinner, we'd go downstairs in this like hall. That's all there was. It was a hall. Yeah they had a bar and a restaurant, but it wasn't, you know, it was just, but they were, where people ate in town was at this place. And, and lo and behold, it was my nona's pesto. It was the gravy. It was really? exactly the recipe that I, that I, that I still today cook. Wow. It was very cool.
0: That's know? awesome. So did they get it from her? Did she get it from them or was it like a,
2: well, I'm, she grew up there. So she yeah got, got brought yeah. it over here to us and, yeah, you know, it was very cool. So, anyway, that that kind of started my in in the food business. But then, when I started working for Bill Graham, uh, yes, you know, Bill Graham presents. You know, I wasn't in the food business at that time. I I, I was more into the production side and the and the security and the, the front of house, the back of house, was, you know, basically how to put on a show.
0: And and what uh, what year? Like, how did you get in, in, entwined with Bill Graham? I mean, was it just like hired into his company? And what about what year would you say that was?
2: Well, I was, it was, it was, it was in 1975, 1976. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. I was going to Chico, um, and my, my, Chico State, Chico State, right. it's where
0: my wife went to college.
2: Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. funny, yeah.
2: Yeah, the, the year, the years that I were there, at least one year, it was uh, uh, San Diego, uh, University of San Diego. No, University. It was uh, Arizona State. No, it was University of Arizona that was in Playboy magazine was was like
0: rated oh, the number party top school. school in the world. Yeah,
2: right. But then above it, it said Chico State. We don't rate professionals. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Like, yeah, that's there
0: you go. That's so funny, man.
2: I started throwing parties up there for whatever reason. I was throwing parties all my life, you know. I, when I was a young kid, after when we graduated high school, because we were I was going to Bellarmine down in San Jose, and um,
0: now when you say throw parties, you mean like. Co- coordinate the entertainment make sure there's beverages like how are we what do, or yeah, are you it, just it, like it, i just use my parents it, house and it, had a kegger oh a
2: party at your house your mom's yeah. house right
0: and yeah 300 people show
2: up and the cops show up and they're all hell's breaking loose but nobody's complaining in the neighborhood because you called all the neighbors and you had you had the football team you know three guys on the football team that would go out and stop anything that was going on in the neighborhood and so you know, con- a controlled chaos is really yeah, what it started, yeah. is. What
0: it you put some thought into it. You weren't just a kid calling up people and going, hey, man, let's trash a house.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no I was, <laughs> it, it was I had it figured out. So, you know, going up to Chico and then doing kind of that type of thing and, you know, involving into a, a fraternity that the FITAL house was going under and then our friends all we all got together we all you know basically rushed it we didn't really rush it was like it was our it was our time to the place needed help right all jumped in there and i was the party guy and we started throwing bigger and bigger parties so i finally wanted i wanted a band i mean but like we had local bands you know crappy garage stuff but i wanted you know i want dave mason (laughs) i want a band right yeah and so my soon-to-be wife, my partner, um, father, so my soon-to-be father-in-law um, was godfather of the president of Bill Graham Enterprises or Bill Graham Presents, Dave Ferrano. So I I asked my father-in-law and my wife said, well, you get Nick a meeting, so the Dave basically got a phone call to his side my my father-in-law said walter hawkins said i'll tell you what you gotta take a meeting with this guy i never really asked you a lot but not only do you have to take a meeting i need, I need you to give him a job because he's probably gonna marry my daughter and, and i can't have
0: a bum married to my daughter,
2: to my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> he, needs, he needs he needs to be able to make a living to take care of my daughter <laughs> so it was all good yeah well, I go in, I go into the Bill Graham office, get the meeting, and I'm sitting there and there's Dave Ferrano and then and I'm um, you know, he's talking about blah 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 and, and I'm, I'm I'm talking about getting a band and you know this and that. And I think he's kind of thinking that I wanted to be in a band, you know, like I was a lead singer, like I was I wanted to be Vince Neal. Let's go. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 let's just I'm just looking for, you know, cause And then Bill Graham comes in. I'm like, okay, holy crap.
0: And you knew, I mean, you knew right away. You knew who he was. You were, I mean, obviously, the 70s, everybody knows who Bill Graham is. At at that point, it was, you
2: know, Bill Graham, Winterland.
0: Winterland, yeah, exactly, yeah.
2: And, you know, I... We all of a sudden had a conversation regarding, well, what are you trying to do? You don't know, you, don't, you know, there's a, there's there's certain situations, you know, there's, there's 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 things that that there are other promoters in the area. you know, Roy DeBraws up there in Chico, you know, he did, we well, just can't come in there and just give you a band. I mean, you got I got to go through Roy, got to do some things. We they have territory, you know, we have stuff. There's stuff that goes on. This is just a business, it's a business, it's not a party.
0: And so It's a know. business. It's a business. It's not a party. Right. Meet the I Grateful don't... Dead, everybody. It's
2: yeah, right. I, I go, well, you know. I got, I I get it. I'm I'm not trying to be that, that person. I'm just, I'm just trying to elevate, you know, what I'm doing. And then Dave, Dave, Dave said, well, wait a minute, hang on. Why don't, you know, instead of a, a band or whatever you want in that situation, why don't you, why don't you come work for us? And I said, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, why not? Okay. I mean, what would I do? And. I started working at uh, in 1976 at Day on the Green, uh, Ninth... in the ba- in the in the in the bowels of the Oven
0: Coliseum. We so uh, we've had uh, one, a one a previous guest, Dean Del Rey is um, great comedian and lover of music, and his first big concert was the um, ACDC's Day on the Green with Ted Nugent and like 1978, I think it was. Got so it. you the well, first one. Good
2: that concert was funny because that's ted nugent so what happened at that show was that the bill loved to put the facades the you know bill was way ahead of of anything that was you know well nowadays it's a you know it's a 90 by 3000 foot video wall right
0: right but Ah! but used to be physical artwork
2: it was art right yeah And so he had a jukebox, you know, he had the flying saucers and, you know, we had all the different stuff that that worked. Well, that particular day, the Scrim FM production, which was part of Bill Graham Presents, Bill Graham Enterprises, uh, something happened and it it got ripped and uh, it didn't work. So at the very last minute, uh, the late uh, Peter Barsotti, who used to be the production manager for Bill Graham, came up with an idea of making a roped like a jungle kind of thing because
0: Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah. I'm and he came out on know? a vine and like, yeah. yeah right. the
2: whole thing, right? And that was that. And it, and it ended up where Ted Nugent actually crawled down the freaking rope. Now that was if you talk about OSHA, you talk about... Oh, no, yeah. Dude. No, no, no harness, him, like, no, no cable. No way this was safety for that yeah. but it worked it was just a huge thing and that was the Ted Nugent show and AC/DC but,
0: but your first like your first experience working for Bill Graham Enterprises was Day on the Green
2: yeah I, I uh the first time I ever went to a Day on the Green my my soon-to-be wife brought me as a um, you know uh, you know and we had backstage passes before people were backstage it was like it was cool it was like oh, yeah I like that um, you know, I, I, you know, my, my cousin who, who thought it, you know, who I brought, you know, with, you know, my girl and, and, our, and a couple friends. You know, trying to hit on her—that's how cool it was, right? I'm like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Are you? I, didn't, I never said it, and I never said it. She still—that they still hasn't know I know. But my girl, my girlfriend now wife's going, like, "No, he hit on me that day." I'm like, "Oh, gee, nice guy." He was, "Yeah, he's
0: like, hey, so you get the backstage passes? Is that yeah, what I'm understand?" <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the cool one, not him.
2: This guy's in between, man. What's that? What are you doing?
0: <laughs> so funny.
2: anyway, that have elevated into well, after I started. We went to the Chico thing. Went to the band. That, and Then Dave said, "Okay." So I started working. My job was to pick up papers underneath the stage and the backstage area. If, they, if you, you know, you, you know the old Coliseum, they had the, you know, the stage was backed up on the um, home, you know, the center field fence. Yeah. And that was before we had the wall of the, the Mount Davis and all that shit. You know, it was a very cool stadium, and they had the big chute that went down and from the back by the railroad tracks and um that was my job my job was go down there and make it clean
0: i was gonna say so pick up just anything like papers like just shit that got thrown down and dropped and people just not make caring about their trash and
2: make it clean and then i all i remember is i was there for a long time and dave ferrano um you know came up to me and he goes nick man it looks like disneyland down here it's never been so clean never been so clean so i just worked my ass off and then um you know, I, you know, you know, how what am I going to do with Bill Graham? You know, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to have a purpose or whatever. But I remember it, wa- it wasn't that show, but the next show, I came to do the same thing. And um, one of the trucks were s- stuck in the, you know, down to the, you know, to the loading dock. Well, well, the ramp, I mean, because they built it, but not, and um, they couldn't find the driver. And, you know. This is stuff going on. This stuff yeah, we got to so move. We got to go. We
0: got concerts, gear, people. We got to move. A lot
2: of stuff. And this, yeah. that. And Bill like, get the, get the driver, get the driver. what's going on here? Move this, move this. And because uh, Bill was a really hands-on guy. I mean, it wasn't like he was, uh, you know. Yeah, he
0: wasn't just a name. He was, his, it wasn't just a name of a company. He was the guy that everyone had to answer to.
2: Yeah, they all... The only thing that was different about being on stage is that most people thought Bill Graham was Jerry Palmpeeli. I don't know if there's a person by the name of Jerry Palmpeeli who used to come out every now and then and announce the bands and stuff like that, and everybody thought Ah. because but Bill would come out and do that, so it was kind of funny. So it was kind of a you know weird thing. Anyway, so you know I'm looking around and they can't find the driver, and I say, well, you know, I, I turn to Dave and I go, well, I I can get it going, and Dave goes, what? And it's a semi, right? So he goes, "What, what are you talking about?" I go, well, "I could hotwire it." I mean, that's no big deal. I mean, you know, and luckily, since I was like 13 years old or whatever, my my dad owned a dump out in Albany landfill, so I was driving a, you know, D9 tractor. So all my friends you were familiar with big boys. machines, yeah. Nine, you know, I was like, "What the fuck about this shit?" I got, I'm not gonna. And but I learned how. You know, I had to figure out on the at, at the dump how to. Fire stuff up, you know, and so, and I, there was a truck there, a 72 Chevy pickup that I, I like to drive around. My dad used to hide the keys. So I used to pop off the back and learn where the, you know, I, I knew which one, I knew the red wire and the yellow wire. And I could, cause I saw it to the, you know, and so I, I, I learned how to wire it and turn it in, you know, have the run wire and then the turn the start wire. So I said, you know, every vehicle is, is exactly the same, you know, it's the yeah, same
0: inside box. that I mean. box. Yeah. Power, ignition, and
2: start, right? Okay. So I go, I'll do it. And so Bill's like, he looks over and Dave goes, hey, he'll start it. He'll get it out of here. I go, I can't drive it, but I'll start it. So I run back into the road case, and I grab some wire, and I snip, 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 and I, I strip it, because like, make whatever reason, my teeth are perfect for stripping. <laughs>
0: you got good strip, stripping right, wire and teeth. A
2: little, a little 12-gauge wire. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. Run it together, put it together, strip, strip, and I went in there, and I make sure it was in neutral, and then you know put it in there, and <laughs> fired it up, and freaking out. I said, okay, it's good to go, and I start walking away. Bill Graham comes up to me, and he goes, Oh. Hey, hey, so why how, how, how you know how to do that
0: who are you yeah
2: go I grew up in Oakland I, I grew up in oakland california i, I that's, that's how we start cars
0: here that's what we do <laughs>
2: <laughs> he just starts laughing well that that made a contact between bill and i now um because he's that he was that guy i mean he was the the one that liked to see people um Achieve, you know, he liked to see people do something different that was out of of normal, you know, and
0: um, you
2: know, that's so
0: that so went on from there. What, like, because you know, I I get your, your impression of him. I think if you don't know anything about Bill Graham, except for he was a concert promoter. And look at all this amazing... I mean, basically, like, festivals today are patterned after Day on the Green. You know what I mean? It's kind of a gold standard of, like, the artwork and adding more than just the band on stage, which would have been enough, especially for those lineups. Those lineups were insane. So to add that extra element of of visual, like... And and not, like you said, today is a big jumbotron or a screen and it's just another video up there or it's a picture of that was, you know, digitally, digitally placed... This is like people on ladders figuring out how to put this giant piece of art in there. And, like, it was, you know, the look of it. Like, I never got to see a day on The Green Show. But the look of it, I mean, that is exactly what Lollapalooza was doing. You know, all these other things that came after it are like, we like this. It's extra. It's more. It gives the people, you know. And back then, ticket prices were nothing i mean in bucks, comparison bucks, you know, like, i mean a 50 would have been like 50 dollars. i'm not gonna go see nine bands for 50 like but now it's like one band is 150 bucks to sit in the back oh okay like it, it's it, it's insane but back then yeah. he was able and he came from a place bill came from a place of um like theater promotion correct or <laughs>
2: well i mean bill you know actually came you know he was smuggled out of you know, Freaking Germany has a baby, and then he came across. Wait, I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize that. Was oh, it? Yeah, his his mom and dad and uh, were over there. And they, they 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 his sister Esther, well, just an unbelievably um, incredible in person. Matter of fact, way in the in the days when we started taking over the food service at the the like the warfield that over, and she she made the chopped liver for the bagels. It was unbelievable, right? I mean, she made some <laughs> great chopped liver, and but she had a tattoo, you know. You know, it was like scary shit. You know, it's yeah. Like, you know, people talk about you know the Holocaust didn't happen. Well, yeah, you're, you're you're completely fucking off your mind. Oh well, the,
0: yeah. I'm not. I would never even entertain someone who right, had exactly. that opinion. And so,
2: Bill got he he got smuggled out of there, and then came over, and then kind of came into England, France type thing, and then came over to New York, and that's where in New York where he came in became a, he became a waiter, and you know, kind of did, did some of a he was in food service. Um. And that led him to kind of navigate over to San Francisco where he saw a bunch of people, the Mime Troops, um, and he kind of started taking them. And so he was never really a theatrical person, except, you know, I just was just the other night, I was on TV watching the Bugsy. And he had a, and he had a, uh, a, he had a pretty good role in, in, in Bugsy as uh, uh, Lucky Luciano. And he was like, yeah, 1 million, 2 million, what do you, I don't even, 4 million. You know, it wasn't mean to you. I didn't mean nothing to you. It needs a lot of me. You know? Okay. So he's like a really animated guy.
0: Um, Wait, I'm I sorry. I, I guess I haven't seen Bugsy in a long time. That's Bill Graham. That's Bill Graham.
2: Oh, that's Bill Graham.
0: Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, I did yeah, not yeah, know yeah. that. It's kind of
2: funny. Like, 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 well, yeah, he's he's a good-looking Italian jute. <laughs> 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 like, they like all good. I mean, he's like there, and you know, I mean, that was that that was Bill's thing. I mean, he he was fully animated i mean that yeah nothing about it i mean he he'd sit there you know you know john you know it's it's not the money
0: it's the fucking
2: money <laughs> i mean he, he would scare the shit out of people man he would come across that table and say well i'm gonna grab your fucking throat so and that and that, that made him who he was so yeah if you think he was uh theatrical and things of that nature absolutely but he was more emotional and very uh very he was a foodie He, he liked food he liked that and that's that's where you know the second job that i got after bill graham started recognizing me and dave ferrano um that i had some sort of ability i i i took over all the beverages backstage so all of a sudden I was the person that was bringing the water and had all the, the soda and stuff like that. But then I, I was, I, I brought in the keg with the tap. Whoa. A tap a hero. Yeah, with, with CO2 and, and, you know, elevating it, taking it to the next level. And then that led into taking over the entire backstage of the day on the green with all the dressing rooms and, 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 and then theatrical. Parts of it when we did the uh, Monsters of Rock, um, where we brought in, you know, the built a bridge and had a, a pond, a pool with alligators, and you know, just stuff. That was the whole thing. It was a, it, it was a, uh, it was theatrical for the bands, and it was much more entertaining for the backstage environment for the bands and their and their guests. And it also made Bill feel feel good, but it was also kind of a demise for Bill too, because as the um, I remember riding with him from. I'm bouncing all over the place, but I remember that's all right. That's all right. Oakland Auditorium, which was now the Henry J. Kaiser Center, right? I, I thought it would, it would be the next Winterland for Bill. Um, yeah, Winterland was a was pretty much a death trap. I mean, that, that place. It would have meaning
0: me- just like the building itself, the structure, how it was done. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: there were you know six thousand people above a parking lot with, with cars and with creosote wood and stuff like that. I mean, yeah.
0: I mean, and that, was, and it, that was started out as a carousel ballroom, right? That was no, a carousel-,
2: carousel ballroom was above the Toyota dealership on Van S.
0: Oh, okay. So it was a different.
2: Yeah. Carousel ballroom was upstairs. Matter of fact, we tried to recreate the carousel ballroom and bring it back. Fillmore West kind of like the carousel ballroom kind of you know, emerged from that, but they they couldn't, it was a cool room and it was still there. I mean, when I was working still with Bill, um 86 87 we went upstairs to the old carousel ballroom uh it was above a car dealership and great little room and unbelievable it was a bunch of history yeah but you couldn't get the egress out of it you know you I mean like winterland I mean if you're up on top in the in the on the upper level uh and you're on the call it the um east side well uh, would be the well, north side, south side. So the north side, um there were no exits.
0: Oh, so not, when you say death trap, you mean literal death trap. No, no yeah, not,
2: no exits. Jesus. Okay, so and then if you the only exit you could go is back toward the front, which were literally uh thirty-two foot stairwell that wrapped around on both uh, sides. I mean thirty-two inch. Yeah. Maybe thirty-six that would wrap around. I mean you're you're going, you're no, you're you're you have to jump off the railing. And on the other side, um, on the south side, they had the you know they had doors that you could get out, and then it was fire escapes going down. But under Winterland was just it was all cars, and so if that if by chance a car caught on fire down there, it would it would have been done. So anyway, that's why that was the demise of Winterland. It was an unbelievable place, and and I think Wolfgang's Vault still has a lot of the video. Because Bill, that's one thing that Bill did, too. Um, another kind of a bummer thing, of, uh, Steve Payne was a buddy of mine that was working for us. You know, and I, he worked under my division at Bill Graham, and, and he broke away to, to start doing all the filming. And he started taking all the films that were there before, and Bill always had it. He always filmed it back when bands didn't care that they were getting captured now. It's like, Um, but uh, uh, Bill, you know, Steve, (laughs) Steve, you know, I remember he come down to Bill at the the steps of the auditorium in Oakland and goes, Bill, I got this idea. Why don't we take these videos and put them on TV? And Bill's like, what? TV. Wait, wait, TV. Nobody's going to watch them on TV. They got to come to a show. They got to come to a show. Okay, well, MTV later, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, so in one sense, Bill's, you know desire for perfection when it came to the actual production in the room kind of limited his maybe his future
0: well yeah and that's also like you know you he was successful at what he was doing and You know, it was like when people told me about what Instagram was, I was like, nobody wants to see pictures of people's food. Like, what? And that's not going to catch on. Like, Twitter is just people talking about what they're doing with their day. Like, who gives this shit? And I I never thought anything. And then all of a sudden now here I am like, oh, I better put out another tweet and I better put out a picture on Instagram and I better, you know, it's now, it now drives the comedy industry. It's like, it's a crazy, but I can see where he'd be like, if you, because especially the music that he was uh, able to witness, you know, of course he thinks it's better live. It is better live. There's uh, absolutely, but also you have to take into account that people in the Midwest or the South can't get to Southern California, can't get to Northern California, can't get to these places to see live shows. If you would have put that on TV, it would have piqued some interest and would have got eyes on those bands, I'm sure. I mean, not that any of them suffered uh, from that, but I'm sure that it would have done well on TV. I think that would have been the beginning of mtv right there <laughs> but it just came yeah, a little I, bit later
2: i do i think that and it was also pre-sponsorship uh, I, I, remember, I remember walking at the day on the greens and the you know when i started becoming a little bit more relevant in the company and having a bigger role um you know i was saying well why why aren't you matter of fact to, to this day my good friend uh, dave smith who was the um, you know the checkbook for miller brewing company um and back then, I didn't really know, but it's kind of funny we tell stories now. But um, but I was like, well, why don't you just get like, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, the, the stadium here, the Coliseum is selling Miller beer, okay? Yeah. And why not get Miller to put up a sign for, you know, 10 grand? I go, how much does it cost for the scrim? 10 grand. Well, get, put there up you
0: up go. Scrim's up. paid put for. We're
2: good. And at the time, Bill was like, oh, we're not, not going to be commercial. We're not going to be that commercial. We're going to do this. We're going to do this our way. And I go, okay, well, whatever. And... So, Soon enough, you know there was, you know there were fourteen logos all over the stuff. It's
0: the it's the writing on the wall. I mean, you really it's like Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights. It's like we're gonna make porno on film, only right. film, and then eventually it's like, dude, you gotta go to VHS, bro. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Right,
2: one way or another, they wanna bring it home, put it in their private little collection in their in their bedroom. Right, <laughs> right. But you know those are those are things that uh, you you know, in the passion of the moment. And so when you talk about Bill being theatrical and Bill being emotional and things of that nature, he was. And, and that's why he ended up allowing me to start a food company um, where I, he was asking me if I wanted to become the production manager, I was gonna, I was basically Peter Barsotti was gonna elevate to a senior department. I was gonna become the person that takes care of all the shows. And um,
0: that's a lot of re- that sounds like a lot of responsibility. I'm not. Well, it,
2: it, it isn't. It isn't. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, this is this is. It was a really shitty thing to say at a, as a 26 year old, 27 year old kid, to be looking down the throat of the production manager of Bill Graham Presents and say, eh, "I don't really want to be a babysitter." Now, okay, I probably would rethink my words. Yeah. Uh, a little bit uh, a little more old but in reality that's all you are because and as i said to at that moment i said listen if the rolling stones are coming to candlestick park okay the rolling stones are going to play regardless if nick Nakora is producing bringing the show or not i mean maybe there's a and re- some element so all i'm doing is basically putting together the union call making sure that the, and then and then basically you know coming up with ways to cheat is that That's kind of what it was. You know, that's kind of what I like about the whole thing, you know, that, you know, listen. I was no angel back in those days, but the one thing that I that I, ma- I made a point is that I never did a drug when I was working, and I never was you know on some sort of alternative you know drinking and stuff of that nature. And a lot of the people took the uh, the rock and roll scene as a, a place to party. Uh, we're gonna and I'm looking at it as something like, okay, wait, well, this is something we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ha- we're gonna build a life on this. It's almost.
0: gonna it's gonna advance. There's more than just this concert. There's a world of concerts we can we can bring in and.
2: Uh, Survive behind an eight ball of cocaine and not wake up the next morning and not get to my job or or forget the fact that or the, and then you know create union bills that are going into the settlement at the end of the show so I can we can take twenty extra grand off the bottom line. I mean, it, you know, it, it got pretty sticky. It got it, in my mind. It was very just, just got shady. Pretty. And I always grew up as an Italian with food and cooking and the grandfather and blah blah, blah, blah blah. You know, like so. You know, am I? You know, it, it, I'm not holistic about it, but I do know that I felt more comfortable telling Bill. You know, I can make more money for you than creating this thing that already happens and getting <clears throat> driven down into this world of drugs and whatever. As opposed to, I can, I can, I can take your breakfast, lunch, dinners that we, that we do backstage. I could do the front of house. I, we can start selling bagels and cream cheese and and fresh bees orange juice to the Grateful Dead crowds, so and we can start doing different things and you know, a, a bean a bean uh, sprout burritos and things like that. That was would sell, you know, back in the day when when the Grateful Dead were playing at Winterland and and or at the Oakland Capitan Tournament the Coliseum. You know volume service and 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 um the, the food concessions companies were selling hot dogs okay well you know i can tell you that the, the grateful dead crowd doesn't want to eat a freaking hot not,
0: dog. not looking for hot dogs no so how
2: about a nice bean burrito with sprouts and a little you know a couple grilled
0: get, cheeses you know, here and there a
2: little fresh orange juice with the machine squeezing it you know and you know and and a piece of carrot cake and a bagel and cream cheese, you know, and things of that nature. That was something that was different, but it was more you know. anyway, so it worked. And Bill let us do a couple of shows, and then he then he finally said, Well, you know, what do you want to do? And I, I said, Well, I'd rather start a company and um, and for you, and then instead of you know doing what's already been done. So he agreed. Well, that alienated me pretty good about everybody in the you know everybody else. The Bob Bar sorry, the Peter. Oh, R-
0: you R- too good for us? You're gonna go start your own oh, thing?
2: Oh, 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 good, good, yeah. Food, yeah, food, yeah, fucking, yeah. Um, and so I remember sitting in the room with Bill, and we were trying to figure out what what we were gonna call it. He was gonna put eighty grand in and and you know fund it, and I said, okay, so it so he goes, well, Nick, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna call us? What are we gonna call it? Gonna call it? So I look up on his wall, and I. See a poster, and he has a basketball jersey on, and it's called the Fillmore Fingers. And that was his thing we're the Fillmore Fingers. Gotcha,
0: gotcha,
2: come play with us. us, But we're gonna, we're gonna beat you, right? Because he had we had we played volleyball with like Huey Lewis, we played (laughs) (laughs) all the time. Every time they came to town, it was always something competitive. So I said, Well. I'll tell you what, why don't we call it fill more fingers because we'll fill more fingers with food. Dude. And it was done. And we created a a logo and at the lovely, uh, uh, gold mirror in San Francisco with a buddy of mine. And, uh, that was, that was, uh, that's where it all started.
0: All right. So you, you, you're, you've, you kind of, you know, um, You're a part of the Bill Graham scene now. Like he knows you. You're starting this company. You're you're making him money. You're making yourself money. What but what was the first, if you can remember? And first of all, I would like I want to say this. Good for you for looking around and seeing and having the wherewithal at that age when I would not have to see that. I don't, if I do this job, I'm literally going to be a cokehead for the rest of my life, which will not be that much longer. You know, if I do this job, I'm going to definitely uh, go down the wrong path. Like, there, I would have taken that, like, it's the 70s. We're at a Grateful Dead show. We're getting paid. Let's party. You know what I mean? I would have been ousted out of that scene quickly because of my inability to, at that age, to understand that we were working and not partying, you know? So... Solid on on your part, but what, when was your first Grateful Dead show and was it something you were working or did you just attend a show on your own?
2: Well, the very first Grateful Dead show that I actually was, was at, was at the Cow Palace with the Wall of Sound. Um, and (laughs) I went there with, with my soon to be wife and yeah, it was way before, uh any of this this is like in the early 70s maybe 72
0: so you were aware of the band and you were
2: oh yeah yeah well, I, I was aware of the grateful dead and, yeah and, and and they're you know i i looked at the grateful dead a little different than most a lot of them were you know they always call them rock and roll you know i'm like that's not rock and roll this is, this is jazz
0: jazz country this blues is, like you, you I could, blues i mean it's a weird kidding? combo of Black just about Black. everything this is this is
2: five guys on stage that are trying to put something together that they might not have heard two minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, they're jamming, uh, in a, in a, they, they have a structure and that jam kind of went, you know, in weird ways. Cause you know, I've, I've never known a band that, did so many drugs as that band did. Holy! Well, shit.
0: the but but not just like drugs that would inhale. Like if you're like, I gotta I gotta be on for this. I'm gonna take cocaine. I'll move quicker. I'll do this. These guys were like, let's take psychedelics and then oh, play yeah. our instruments. And it's like, dude, when you're on psychedelics. Like things uh, aren't solid. Do you know what I mean? So when you're like playing a guitar, like what? Like I, I the idea, like when Jerry and the like Carlos Santana's story about Woodstock, when he's like, Jerry was like, "When are you going on?" And I thought I was going on at midnight. So he's like, "Hey, take this acid." So I took the acid, and 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, some guys like, "Hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man you gotta get go on stage, 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 stage." And he's like, "What?" And he had to go out and like, that's the Carlos Santana performance that people will look at and go, "That's Carlos Santana." Meaning, like. It's an iconic performance before we even knew about the LSD. And then you add the fact that this dude is on stage ripping it up out of his mind. Like, I just, that's a very impressive feat. And when I hear about how much the Grateful Dead did that and how they used it to sort of kind of become one. You know what I mean? Because they're really there's a, a Phil Lesch has said it, but the Grateful Dead is one hand five fingers. You know, it's like they're all doing a little bit something different, but they're all connected at the base. You know, so it's. Um, I'm, when they I, did
2: uh, when we we did. Uh, I think it was uh, was it eight or might have been eight or twelve days at Winterland. I mean, <laughs> and then you know the same thing back to back over at uh, at the Warfield when they would put the long runs together. It, it was interesting because it was like almost one concert group pound in the one because they would stretch it out. I think that was one they finally did Dark Star and, you know, something like, you know, and then, but there was, there was definitely an element that the, the drug use was definitely an element of their, of, of how they performed. Yeah. There was no doubt about it. I mean, they wouldn't, the Rolling Stones can pound it out and do what they do, you know, Keith Richards could be on heroin and whatever, whatever, and you can get the, uh, you can get the, um, you know, tease um, um, my brain, um, oh, my, you know, my best guitar player in the world, Eric, ah, okay. wow. he could be on heroin and you know, and and be ripping it up, but the
0: rest of the band,
2: you know, they were they were following along or they may not have been in that world and they're not,
0: yes, yeah,
2: yeah. You know, Tom Petty and, and, you know, heroin. And, I mean, it's just, but it's a singular thing. When you start talking about the Grateful Dead, they literally took the same drug and they literally were on the same high. I think they literally, like, they said, okay, we're going to take two tonight. Okay, all right, two, okay. Take one at seven. And then we're going to take one at seven. <laughs> and then by
0: one o'clock, we're going to be ripping it,
2: right? And so it became part of the, it was a tool of their instrument
0: yeah yeah that they that they used i think in a in a in a positive way you know what i mean because it there is like like you said if, like the lead singer or the lead guitarist is on a drug the rest of the band is like 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 the yeah, doors yeah, so. the doors weren't look let's get as loaded as jim morrison they were like right. we, we need to play so that when he passes out the audience doesn't have a like, throw a fit you know because he was i mean just from everything i've read it it was hit or miss, you know. It's like he's on; it's a great show. He's not on; it's a terrible. But
2: that show. happened a lot with the Grateful Dead. I mean, yes, but they know, full was, on
0: admit it that they're like sometimes it didn't off. take off. Yeah.
2: I mean, like I, I have buddies that have all the you know the cassette tapes. You know, they'd be back Who there likes. with their microphone. You know, they got they got their cassette. Tape. Yeah, and and it was like he'd listen to some of this stuff, and you'd go, "God dang, it was horrible."
0: It's but it's but there was something about them being willing to have that. And like a part of it, like to me, there's a little bit of this uh, laziness that helped make the Grateful Dead who they are. Like when, I'm sure Bill Graham was like, dude, we can't have tapers because tapers are going to tape the performance and then they're not going to buy the records. He, and then he
2: didn't care. While they were worried about the tapers, he was throwing in a thousand extra people that the dead didn't know about.
0: Ah, ah There you go. Because the you Grateful know? Dead, like their management was like, stop the taping. The taping has to stop. People aren't going to buy the albums. And then Grateful Dead, like Bob Weir's like, I just didn't want to be a cop. I didn't want to tell people what to do. So we didn't. Right. we just didn't do anything about the taping. And literally by doing nothing about the taping, those bootlegs, that that's what made them who they are yeah. by not being authoritative and being like, hey, man, this is our music. You know, we're going we're, we're gonna to try to do different songs every night. They're never going to be played the same way. And it's always going to be kind of, you know, and, and again, I, I say, I don't want to say lazy in a bad, but like there are some musicians who are structured and it has to be, these are the chords, these are the notes, this is what we're doing, this is it. And it, it's like that every time. You know what I mean? Like Rush doesn't like, Neil Peart didn't improvise in the middle of Tom Sawyer. It was all very, you know, all the time. Yeah. And the Grateful Dead just, nothing was ever the same. I mean, Bill Kreitzman is a drummer. and He could barely keep time and they would just be all over the place and just, it was crazy. It was wild. Well,
2: and and their crowd, you know, unlike going to see, you know, like you say, Rush or, or, you know, even Phil Collins and Genesis, right? They were the, the Genesis was the first of, let's let's have these electronic lights that you know like that that move around by way of the the next to the video board you know it's like oh i mean the soundboard. now they got this video computer that is can create this images and lights and stuff so which is fun kind of kind of captivates the audience a little bit but you still get a crowd that comes and goes they, get, they, they go to the greek theater and they're gonna then they're gonna be home that night in oakland or gonna san francisco wherever wherever and then they're and wait till the next time that Phil Collins or Genesis comes around and they might go and might not depending on how they like. Grateful Dead had that just impact them. The, the 3000 people that just kind of flowed with them. And I, and I always say that they're the, you know, they're the, the, the kids that come kid from Philadelphia, that mom and dad have too much money and they just don't want to take care of the kid. They give them an ex- American express card and some cash as
0: they leave and they yeah. just
2: travel with the man. So every night they were, experiencing the same thing and so yeah i mean
0: look i saw my first dead show in 92 at soldier field and was it was immediately life-changing like from the very like they opened with bertha and from the first notes like up until at that point i'd seen a lot of concerts but they'd all been mostly metal and rock and roll like you know um louder and just more like maybe some punk bands too i heard every note that Jerry played like it was the cleanest sounding concert i'd ever heard i was like what was that and i that was it i mean from that i went to i only saw 24 shows but from 92 to 95 i saw those 24 shows and and after high school in 93 i went out on the road and i f- saw 10 f- shows you know what i mean I, I whatever i could get my hands on and my eyes and ears on is what i wanted that band changed how i saw music you know so it was very influential to me and and also that getting on the road um really opened me up to traveling more like it, before the internet before gps it was like all road atlases and you're like how the fuck do i get to buffalo you know and you're yeah, like right. you have to like trace the route and then you have to follow it and be like i think i'm on the right so it, it just really opened me up and took that kind of fear away of being on the road and it was more like hey i gotta i gotta place some going and if we get there we're gonna see the show and then we'll figure out how to get is this more of a relaxed attitude towards everything i do really but um the wall of sound, man. That's first of all, Cow Palace, f- phenomenal uh, early show there that you hit. Um, what were the some of the other bands that came through places that the Dead played? I mean, you're in the you know working for Bill Graham, mid late '70s, early '80s. There's, I mean, who else did you see in there that you were like these well, guys? Well, did you see I mean, anybody not... like before they were big, and then be like these guys are going to be huge?
2: Well, Foreigner was one of the first bands I ever. And I, I, I was underneath the stage picking up papers, and all of a sudden I heard "You're as cold as <laughs> and and, and it's you know opening band that's gonna hey, this band's from Europe, you know I don't know it might they might be freaking unbelievable, right? And I was like, holy shit, these guys are good.
0: Um, that's awesome. You know,
2: Journey, you know Journey. Uh, he that he really, Bill
0: Graham really helped Journey out, didn't he? Because he because they were from the Bay Area,
2: yeah. He should have he should have been producing them. Um, you know he picked. Um, Eddie Money and uh, Joe Satriani and, and and Santana only because you know he, he was Bill Graham um, management was Santana just because Bill you know at the Carousel Ballroom is where um, Carlos Santana was trying to break into a show and and Bill and he, he just bumped into Bill Graham Bill Graham sees him like coming through a window. And they get this altercation and then one thing leads to another. And then Bill says, you know, they have a conversation. And then that that became Carlos Santana and Bill Graham.
0: Wow, dude. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: funny, you know, Bill Bill liked, loved that story. Oh, uh, my God. But, you know, I, I would say for me, you know, after I started the food company with Fillmore Fingers, um, you know, our, our primary thing was to do some small amount of front of house food and beverage, the Greek theater, the open Auditorium, um, you know, uh, shows that we produced, Laguna Seca, Grateful Dead, Journey, or no, it was Grateful Dead, Huey Lewis. We we went up, we did Mountaineers. We took we took over the Mountaineer shows, the poor Bill Barr, you know. Bill, the, the one thing that Bill organization did have a habit of doing is going in and finding things they wanted and, and loaning money to a point where it was enough that there was no way they could ever get it back and they would take
0: they own it. it now yeah
2: right and so when we owned the venue then we took the we took we took on the food we did the beer we did we did everything and it was a definitely another element of 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 of, of well, it well the ancillary income that now is so important to any show i mean i you know with we I do a lot of fairgrounds and concerts and things of that nature right now and and predominantly fairs because i because after i left the bill graham organization which is another story um uh, went into the family entertainment, which was fairgrounds and things, and really got an appreciation for ag education, 4-H kids, FFA, Future Farmers of America, yeah. and really becoming part of a little bit more of a historical uh, edu- educational experience, and then bringing food to that, and then using the same thing that Bill wanted to do all the time is, you know, we would always create these environments. Like, well, so when we say who i knew at that point doing that i started doing backstage catering for bill and you know basically developing a business for all so there isn't a band that came through uh, the bay area and or other areas uh, surrounding area from 1978 to the late 88 that i didn't feed so i knew the i knew the band's intimately and then we would build these environments backstage so like the who we built the who pub behind the stage the who would come in for three nights and so or two nights whatever that would be and then we would build this environment for the backstage environment um and we would create uh the 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 emotional thing for the for the uh, for people backstage that in itself started the whole thing about bill saying you know we were sitting there at the who pub and he's like going nick you know uh, what, what, what can we do with this? I mean, I, this, is, this is I go well, great, but what, what we we can do this for the for the public out front? We can we can do better food for the public out front, and so he agreed with that, and that kind of expanded that opportunity. But mainly, it was uh, it was kind of a it was a good a good and a bad for me because you know by feeding all the bands and by being in the dressing rooms, by being intimately part of what's going on and. Pocket
1: room,
2: <laughs> phone, phones going. And, and you also learned what jerks they were. I mean,
0: yeah, you
1: know,
2: and, and you know there there are bands that were, you know, fun. You know, Van Halen. You know, David Lee Roth and you know Eddie Van Halen and doing it, doing being backstage and creating a, a um, uh, an eight four by eight foot drum set cake for. Um, I always forget and Alex, Alex Van is you know, and it's like, and we, and then they, we build this cake and then they throw it into the freaking thing, you know, but before that I, I'm going up into the dressing room with, with some crudite, you know, veggies and cheese, Platters because it's got to be in the dressing room. I go and then there's Alex Van Halen, you know, on, on a couch that I brought up, you know, earlier, and he's got three girls: one down below, one up above, and one over here. You know, and it's like, I'm like, holy Jesus
0: Christ! I got <laughs> your cheese plate, Alex. <laughs> <I got> a- <laughs> your cheese plate. Will you like your tuna today now or tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Just put it right. down on another naked chick. <laughs>
2: i mean like can you spare one uh (laughs) i'm also
0: by myself here so uh (laughs)
2: but but they were like true really good guys that's
0: i can't tell you how great it is to hear that i van halen and and the grateful dead are the two most influential bands in my life um they they changed the way i saw music and the way i played guitar and the way i did everything you know and and to hear that van halen was fun I, that's what the that's their band that band is fun you know what i mean like when you hear their music it's fun
2: yeah i love they, that and they and they 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 did have a good time i mean it was somewhat demoralizing when you're when you see all the girls lined up after the show and they and they're going down looking down the blouse and they okay yeah you can go yeah you can go and then one of them's gonna have sex with david lee rock in a helicopter over san francisco <laughs> okay one of them will now the other one's gonna be in the back of a bus with a rigger, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. Getting ready to go to the next show, and you know how you doing? But so it, you know, it, it kind of it just it kind of just like I um, Steve Perry. I had a, I had a uh, um, um, good friend of mine, uh, my dad's friend, that was on the board at Cow Palace, and he I said, "Can I get my daughter backstage?" And I go, "You know," I go, "I go, you know, Lenny, I, 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 no problem, okay, but." why
0: okay yeah I mean, you don't want her back there
2: you really don't want her there I'll but I'll take care of her and blah 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 and you know so she's there and then all of a sudden I see you know at the end of the show it's all over and Steve Perry's walking around. you know he, you know he doesn't know me but he you know I'm you know he knows that I'm, I'm he knows
0: we he knows you're there yeah
2: right and so I walk her over and I said hey, you know Skip, could you could you sign her backstage pass and, and he goes oh yeah yeah no problem really nice and he signs it you know and I, okay okay walk away and and, and we'd look at it and it says jack burns or you're like you didn't even sign it steve perry i'm like why Why? do that and so sometimes you just get that you know that weird kind of jerk attitude like
0: yeah
2: um um Oh, what's his name? You know, the guitar, the the, the, piano man. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. So we had our, 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 our uh, security supervisor um, who ran all the blue coats, all the security for the shows. Okay. And so he was an artist and he, you know, kind of like, you know, when you work security and stuff like that, you, it's a secondary job, obviously. Yeah. And all the blue coats kind of worked for free. They were like, oh, we'll get to go see the show, you know. And then then, but, but the security manager had to, you know, really take care of all the calls, make sure the police department was outside, you know, the fire department and everything, you know, all the other detail-oriented stuff, not just the floor. And he built, he, he sculpted this bust. Of Billy Joel. I mean it was it's all I'm doing the dressing rooms. And so he brought it over in a box and it was all crazy. He was so proud of it. And so we put it in there, you know, and and it was it looked like Billy Joel. I mean it was like cool. I mean it was like, you know, 18 inches by you know, it was what it was big too. And they just defaced it. Uh... They cigarettes in the eyes, they dumped egg on top of the head, and they just it's like you know what can you just take it
0: dude yeah there's there's a thing like when you when i was growing up you'd hear all these stories of, like people you know bands throwing tvs out the window and led zeppelin trashing the hyatt and like and you're like you know and then you see the who smash their instruments and you're like oh yeah i guess that's rock and roll but then as i got older i'm like hey, man, those guitars cost money. And if you don't want them, maybe donate them to a school. Maybe give them to some kids. Okay. And hey, stop shitting on the carpet in the hotel. What are you doing? Like, you start to see that as like, nah, I wouldn't behave like that if I was...
2: Well, you brought up you brought up Led Zeppelin, you know, that the very last show ever was... At Day Red on the Green. Yeah, you know, Day on the Green, right? And so I'm there and I'm Oh, now,
0: fuck. I'm, you saw the last Led Zeppelin show.
2: Oh, I was right in the middle of it because what ended up happening was the show started getting a little weird and then all of a sudden i'm kind of doing my backstage thing now i'm now i'm starting to take over breakfast and i'm talking i'm I'm kind of really and all of a sudden this person runs out from under the tunnel from the from the crowd under the tunnel like he's running back saying well i tackle the son of a bitch i go oh i'm gonna get it well he ended up being the road the manager of fucking led zeppelin right i'm like why? So I'm like, I'm uh, I'm surrounded by all these goons. Bill around. what? He came. He was running. I, go,
0: I tackled him. I thought he was a fan.
2: Well, at the same time that that was happening, uh, we would build these. I'd go to San Francisco, and that was another one of my jobs. I got was to go get the redwood. Every every band had a you know redwood sign, and I had the guy down at Fisherman's Wharf engrave it. Yeah, I'd say you know. Rolling Stones or, you know, so in this one, it was, you know, Robert Plant, you know, it was, it was, um, you know, what, you know, the drummer John, from, Bonham. John Don, Bonham, so John Bonham had one on his dressing room because every one of them had their own dressing rooms. It wasn't just, cause it was just Led Zeppelin. It was, I don't, I don't think it was an opening act. It was just Led Zeppelin had to be an opening act, but whatever. John Bonham's son who now is
0: Jason you know, Bonham? Yeah, Jason Bonham yeah.
2: playing in the band. If they ever come back, walked up and said he wanted the sign. And so Jim McZorkis, who by the way I just found out he just passed away, which was really sad. Jim McZorkis, big guy, and, I, and he and uh, he said, "Well, you can have it tomorrow because we, you know, not tonight." Well, he throws a fit. You know, Jason Bonham throws a fit. Says, "Fuck you! I want the goddamn sign, and I'll get my dad, and we'll get the sign. I want it now." And they're going, "Well, no, well." Anyway, John Bottom and the goons come and beat the fuck. I
0: shit. heard about this story. They, that's, that's why they beat him up, because he wouldn't give the sign. Beat to
2: the-, the fucking shit out of him. Broke his jaw. The whole thing, then, then Bob Barsotti goes running in there. Well, now things are out of control. Now, I just tackled the frickin' manager. This is going on backstage, and all of a sudden now it is face-to-face, frickin' Zeppelin, Bill Graham, frickin' and guns up here. I mean, guns come out of fucking pockets from the road um, it's scary shit and then they bill graham has to sign off on you know not pressing charges because yeah didn't he have
0: out. to go to their hotel room to to sign the thing that said I otherwise they weren't going to play
2: I, I know that that i don't know if he went to the hotel room but i know that he, he met them uh, and their attorney and bill's attorney and that because they were not going to go on the next day Okay, they flat out would not go because
0: he, on. he could have John Bonham could have easily been sued and and he would have lost. Oh, he got yeah,
2: jail. This is this yeah. is the physical assault. Yeah, and and a bunch of witnesses, right? So, anyway, long story short, which is already long, but um, they ended up going on stage after getting the waiver. And then immediately got arrested after the show, though. And they, they and, and then that was, and then that was literally the last time they ever were back in the United States.
0: Because again. because he, yeah, John Bonham died. Like he
2: died right not long after that. Yeah,
0: within six months after that, I believe. Which,
2: well, was, uh, but so that kind of gave me that you know when I when I when got married, you know, um, it wasn't like I didn't enjoy the scene. I did. I mean, it yeah, was, it was fun. But, you know, I remember yeah, we had to write up, you know, like we had to go to the three day thing, Catholic. You know, you got to go to the.
0: Oh, when you're getting married? Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. So you got to go through the little, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, so they're going to talk to you about why you're getting married. The priest, you know, like that. Okay. So we had to write in a journal and stuff like that. And I remember writing in there, uh, I'm waiting outside of the Oakland Auditorium, um, ready to go into a sold out show. As I walk in to to the sold out show, I see the uh, audience uh, worshiping heroes that are actually zeros. And I I just always remember being in front of the the pit and just watching that, just this adulation of who's on stage. And and I, and I and knowing in the back of my head that there's only very 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 few of those stars really deserve that adulation
0: that that are worth even being friends with, yeah.
2: Exactly, because that person that you're idolizing will take you and have sex with you and drop you off on the next street corner and not give and
0: a fuck. Never give you. a shit about you at all. You become
2: a stapled polaroid in the in the in in the road case.
0: Yeah, or the yeah butt of a joke or whatever. And, yeah, and
2: that that kind of you know that you know uh, the when the whole thing with Bill Graham and the whole thing kind of crashed down uh, for me. Um, and it really had to do with uh, the hierarchy at Bill Graham. Uh, wanting to some stuff that was going on with Ogden Foods and Ogden Presents and things of that nature but when I did break away and I did get into the fair industry when you're talking about you know, 1.4 million people coming to the Orange County Fair or 1.5 million people coming to the LA Fair plus all the NHRA drags and all the different stuff that happened at a fairgrounds the monster trucks the, the, um, the autoramas with the, with the hot rods and the good guys car shows and stuff like that You start realizing that, you know, the good guy car shows brings all this camaraderie, all these people that come because of somebody building their car or somebody showing off what they've produced or, or purchased and then you got the fair and you got you know the you got the 4-h kid that's going to raise this cow and and she's three foot five you know for 13 years old but she's bringing this steer on stage and for her college education for her and you know she's going to get eighteen thousand dollars because you know she's so cute that everybody's going to bid 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 and go together not it's not everybody that sits there and says well i'm gonna i'm just gonna spend eighteen thousand for her no 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 i'll put two you put five i'll, I'll put six i'll put one and all of a sudden you, you you've got this group of people that that are giving this child that that worked for eight months to raise this animal you know it's it's just so much more holistically experienced
0: i like that I like that though you just felt better about the scene
2: it it It's warm yeah you feel comfortable about bringing your own family family into it yeah and it's a big deal and so I I'm blessed to have been able to have the opportunity to dump ping pong balls and, 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 and naked girls out of a helicopter today on the green with the rolling stones. At the same time, I get to be my, I'm 63 now. And I'm, I'm, I believe I'm still, I'm, I'm just starting a new career with what I'm, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. A year is a new career just because even though it's the same thing I've been doing for the last, You know 60 years you spice it up it's just something different technology is now now it's technology what what, what used to be back in the day when i mean you're just not going to buy anything anymore without your phone there's no reason to stand in line there's no reason to go to a counter and 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 do a commerce with somebody you just buy it and then go up your qr code okay get your beer yeah I mean you can you can have you can buy five beers on your QR, you know, have five QR codes and just walk up and go beep, 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 you know, and, and I buy one for you, yeah, beep, okay, you know, like
0: done. Yeah.
2: And so that's the new world, I think. Um and you know, it's just blessed to be able to do that and, and have the experience of being with Bill Graham. I mean, I mean, being up at Bill Graham's house, being you know, I, I was you know, in his airplane, you know, lots of times with, you know, with, with Steve Kahn, who actually flew into the power pole with Bill uh, in the helicopter. I mean, I have really, met, uh, you know, M- Melissa, who was in the helicopter with Bill. I mean, I, you know, I knew her. I went, when we went skiing in, 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 um, up in, up in Tahoe and, and Mammoth together with, with, with Steve flying the plane. It's just, you, um, you, you'll never forget those experiences and never forget the the moments, but, you know, Glad to live through it. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, uh, obviously, if anyone doesn't know, Bill Graham was killed in a helicopter crash leaving Oakland-Alameda Coliseum. Or... No, it was
2: the Conquer Pavilion, and it's kind of funny because uh, okay. it's like years later. I, I wanted to get the the uh, bottom painted on the my I have a you know twenty four foot boat that I use in the bay, and it was building up barnacles. You know, because I leave it there, and, and uh, so my buddy said, "Well, go go get the." My buddy Rick Frampton up there in Rio Vista, you know, he'll he'll paint your bottom of your boat. He's great. You know, it'll be easy, and he'll give you a deal because you know I sent you. So I get up there, and then we start talking about Bill Graham, and then before long, he was he had a limo company that was doing the concerts, and he was doing you know, He he had UE Lewis as a as a client, but his driver, you know, didn't make it that night. I had left a um, long time. I, I had been gone for Bill Graham for a few years. Um, and, but the same people. And so he, Rick, Rick was like driving the limo when he was standing there, when Steve Kahn, Bill Graham, and and, 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 and Huey Lewis were talking about, Bill, just use my limo. All the airports are shut down. Don't worry about it. And Steve Kahn goes, ah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then Bill's like, well, I, and then Rick's just sitting there going, you know, because he was thinking he was going to take them in the car, drive them back to, you know, Masada and in, in Cordobadera. And then they come back to get the helicopter the next day because they even said it's confidence. You can leave it here. No big deal. You know, it's like, no big deal. No, no. So Steve, Steve, Steve was, Steve said, no, I can, I can make it. And he decided that he was going to, um, you know, he was going to, uh, just take highway 37. So it was a conquer Pavilion, popped over the hill and he, he he came over Vallejo and he said, oh, I'll just take highway 37 and just, you know, all the way stay, in, stay under the clouds and I'm good. And he was just one foot too low. The, the, uh, the little skid, you know, the little thing hooked the wire.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> God damn. Yeah, it was
2: ugly that
0: is not good. But uh um, the way
2: Bill, I, it was the way Bill wanted to go really yeah
0: he always felt that he was gonna go
2: big so he didn't want to be some squirrely little you know guy dying a kid yeah bad spitting blood, pff, having somebody change his, you know spit cup now so you know in a weird way he did feel he did i know at the end he felt somewhat betrayed by the industry he got bitter yeah about the industry because of the agents
0: Yeah, it it kind of moved in a different direction and it wasn't so much, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to go talk to Jerry and the guys and we're going to figure it out. It's like you got to deal with a manager and an agent and a publicist and a booker and uh you know uh, it just becomes more than he was used to dealing with or felt he needed to deal well, with probably he
2: felt he was bigger than that And, and
0: yeah he's like don't talk to me i'm bill fucking Graham." right
2: <laughs> and, and that he said that to me he's st- he like sat on mick jagger's steps and you know for him to come home and go nick what are you doing you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna do your tour you know this is that's what it, I, I mean I, I i'm the one that's done this i brought you here i got you here you know i'm my you know uh and and you know mick's like you know you know, you got to talk to my, you know, my, my agent. I don't make those decisions.
0: I'm Mick Jagger. Yeah. You know. Cause
2: guess what? You know, they're making a deal with MCA and that they made a deal with Macy's. And now you're offering me 70 million for the tour. They're offering me 350 million because they're going to sell our merchandise at all the Macy's and federated in the world. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What am I going to do? Yeah. So he, 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 he never, he just never stepped it to the next level. Uh, and that that was probably his uh you know his 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 emotional side he had a hard time letting you know going to that
0: he was like somebody he said he was an emotional guy he was passionate oh
2: he's that was was no doubt about it i mean he yeah the guy cared so much about what the the, the, what the public felt coming in and yeah and he wasn't a guy that was scared to um I mean, he would walk around the Grateful Dead crowd. You know, he was there. People knew who he was. They would leave him alone. People would come up and say, hey, Bill. And But if somebody was doing something stupid, Bill be in his face. If somebody was doing something smart, you know, he'd walk up and go, hey, yeah." You know, he'd be their friend. Yeah. It was a, um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I'm, I'm happy to, I, you know, I, I kind of remember talking to him in the back of the, the old office at 11th and Howard before it got burned down. Um with, you know, kind of like he was my uncle, you know, well, you're my, you know, you're my, you know, yeah, my uncle, Nick Klanos, the president of the company said, you'll never understand how to uh, read a balance sheet. Bill Graham goes, he would, after Nick said that to me, because Nick wasn't the nicest guy in the world. Um, and, uh, and Bill took me into his office and he goes, Nick, Nick, remember one thing, you know, Nick, Nick does what he does, but you can buy what Nick does emotion and what you do and why you do and ideas that's what makes life that's what makes dude but what they do when he tells you you can't read a balance sheet i can't read a fucking balance sheet do i want to read a balance sheet i don't want to read a balance sheet they can read a balance sheet i just make the money
0: that's a good that's a good but see that to me like that's what i want to see more of i want people to like what they do to be excited to work to be passionate even if Like, I I just feel like as a whole, as a society, people are just less happy with their jobs. So they put out less effort so that, you know, they can go make their money to go you know, buy the things they want, which are, you know, you're purchasing these things you want, which are made by people who are miserable at their jobs, who put in less effort. It's just a weird thing that keeps feeding itself. And I, I just wish that more people were a little bit more passionate, a little bit more excited about what they do. You know what I mean?
2: Well, it's without a doubt. And that's why I firmly believe that in, in the world that we live in now, um, small business entrepreneurial opportunity is so much more important than, you know. Okay, so I'm going to go to four years at uh, you know UCLA and come out a bachelor's of arts degree. Okay, what am I doing with that? Okay, you want to go be a teacher? Go be a teacher. You want to go be an engineer? Go be an engineer. You know, you, you want to you want to really do something in that. But other than that get yourself out on the street and buy yourself a little pizza parlor. Go find a friend that's got, you know, more money than God. They're all out there. You know, it's not like there isn't, I, I, there, there are people that have lots of money and you just got to have enough guts to walk up to them and say, I need to borrow 150 grand. I'm going to put you in and by the way, you'll have free pizza for the rest of your life. And let's come on, be part of this. Let's call it, uh, you know, you know, your name's Joe my name's Nick, let's get it. Joe Nick's pizza. And we're going to call it and, 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 and take the risk. Yeah. You know, and, and, i think we don't teach our kids that anymore
0: no it's all about safety it's all about safety you got to have a plan b you got to have something to fall back on yeah you can pursue a career in music but also get your degree in business so you can you know it's it's I that kind of word thing. For
2: google so they can put me in a, a little cubby hole and I, I can be the one that's uh, saying oh yeah that i don't believe in that statement so i'm gonna come and i'm gonna cut that one out I don't, whatever you're just yeah. You're just a minion. And, and and at which point does being a minion life? You know, I just think that, that they're trying to make us all minions. What that's what Bill didn't do. Now he did his did the downside of, of that though was Bill liked to compete people. He loved the competition. So he loved seeing his managers competing against the other managers. So there were, you know, there was the Bill Graham management company, the FM Productions, there was Winterland Productions, there was the BGP, there was the Fillmore Fingers. And there wasn't like this harmonious little group. It was like they were always battling and building like to see the battle. Who's gonna win? He loved to see how whether <laughs> I was gonna, whether Peter Barsotti or Nick Nakoro was gonna come out on top. Yeah. That's so, funny, man. And that's kind of you know, that's entrepreneurial, but it's also a little bit mean spirited.
0: It is. It is. I've seen that too. I've seen that in television production, um, executive producers who kind of make it a competition. And I'm like, dude, aren't we all making the same show? Aren't we all here for the same reason? Like, what am I competing against? I just want everyone to do a good job. And then we put out a good product. How does that sound?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that, in the end when, when that happens, I mean, you, you, it's what's, what's so what's interesting about it is that you see it so often in so many different, I mean, in sports, you got the team that's stacked with the fifty billion dollar payroll, but then you get this little tiny squirt team over here that just stand lot baseball, and they just get along and they just build, inspire each other, and you know, that that's the way it is. I mean, I I have I have employees now that have literally worked for me for thirty two years, and that's not because I'm like. Pay them this or do that or whatever. It's because we inspire ourselves as a team, as as, as an effort to be one as a group, and we make we we you know make a, you make you make a mistake. You do this and it's okay. Take a risk. Go ahead. Take a shot. You know, you know not yeah. Don't make don't make too many wrong moves. Yeah, <laughs> but at least you. are You care, you know?
0: Yeah, that's it. You care. You want to care about what you're doing.
2: And you got to respect, you know, we've lost respect. You know, a lot of the things that are happening in our inner cities and stuff like that, there's absolutely no respect for any individuals that walks down the street because they don't because they don't feel respected and they they don't feel respected. So they're going to shoot you as, as opposed to, you know, not just being a human being just being somebody that wants to make the person's I want to make you happier you
0: know right but but like you said it's it's a it's a systematic thing where those people don't feel respected because they're not the government doesn't respect them the cops don't respect them there's no respect in that community for those people so you're right when they see other people they're like why would I there's nothing to respect here you're just, you're just another person like if i'm not respected why the fuck should you get uh, me I'm,
2: I'm not gonna give you any respect because you're not respecting me yeah and, yeah and yeah. guess what yeah i did probably kill somebody last week and i probably did you know run uh fentanyl down the street and you know five kids got you know might have overdosed because of it but they don't understand that they, they just never thought they've never learned that i i remember taking kids um uh from richmond and then from the uh when we do the food and beverage like at a nascar at sears point raceway and now sonoma raceway whatever and i would get the job corps who a buddy of mine was a chef over there and, and kind of ran it and so i would take those kids and i would bring them up and they would we would do c- cooking off the grill so you come up and get your burger and you know you get your bun at the window and then you go up and get your get your meat off the grill it was just better it was, you know the whole thing was a fun experience But these, you know, the kids, you know, after three or four times, all of a sudden started, you know, I started paying them $60, $80. And all of a sudden, the $80 became more important than the job. And then all of a sudden, they went back and then they started robbing each other for the $80. Ah. That's one side of it. Then the other side, you go over to to the Berkeley Unified School District where we had kids that were from, you know, coming out of Richmond and stuff like that. And these were kids that I would bring over across the Bay that have never seen the San Rafael Bridge. They never saw the bridge. They live like three miles. Or so,
0: a mile from it, yeah. And
2: they never. They're just there. That's their block that they live. So I mean, I I, I just think if you want to get rid of all that type of stuff, we should grab these kids and then <laughs> ship them out. Freaking traveling. Travel. Uh, so Good. Travel. Bring them. Put them on a farm. Do some stuff. Go become a wrangler. dude Just get them out of the environment.
0: Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. And also like you'll find it with even people that can travel that don't and like their small, narrow world, and you're like, dude, you need to get out. You need to meet more people that aren't you and that don't have your exact beliefs every day because you're just wasting away doing nothing. It's like you're 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 hating on people that you don't even know. You don't like these groups of people, you don't like this country. Like you've never been there. You yeah. don't know these people. How the fuck are you gonna I, make I those judgments? It. So it's kinda like it's kind of like you sit there and you, you
2: you you you're on TV or whatever you're talking to you and I right now and then somebody's gonna go I don't like that guy okay or I like that guy you don't even know the guy Last <laughs> <That's laughs> you you can't take fifteen uh, an hour there's no way you know that person but there are some people that say oh yeah, that guy's exactly concerned. well uh, I. Maybe you just I, had a bad day in your I last run. I can't say here. he's a jerk because I really never hung out with him. I really don't know who he is, you know? I mean, it,
0: yeah, we don't nah. take time,
2: you know? I, I, like, I like to take time to get – that's one thing that COVID, you know, like our neighbors, our, our little pod that we had in our community, you know, we had about eight of us that got together all the time, right? Because we knew, we knew we were, you know, not, not sick. We knew – we weren't really going anywhere at that particular time. And so we had lunch and we did dinners and we did, we did entertainment and we had movie nights and we talked stories like we're talking right now. And, um, you know, it actually opened up our eyes to, to, to other people that, you know, and we became much better friends. Like when I talk about yeah. tonight, when I said I was going to make friends, you know, that that's what it is. I mean, the last thing, but every going that night, yeah. we went to dinner, I was at our house or their yeah. house and you know,
0: now we, now we can go to a road well, road. woo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you from your dinner, and uh, I just I want to say thank you so much for just taking the time. And uh, I love I could listen to these stories all day. I mean that that's like the Grateful Dead, Bill Graham, Day on the Green, concerts in general, live music. You know, it's just it's just such an amazing world to me, and I I I owe that to the Grateful Dead. Like I I they I owe them you know a debt that i can never repay because it literally changed the course of my life you know what i mean um but just to know some talk to someone who was literally there i mean you're tackling lead yeah, yeah, road manager i mean that's pretty <laughs> fucking great dude um that's really solid dude uh, but yeah i just want to say thanks and um uh really right, appreciate Donald, it i
2: appreciate man. it too anytime and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you